The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Friends, we've said it again and again. The enemy always overplays his hand. The pushback continues. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. What a joy to be with all of you today on The Line of Fire. This is a broadcast I believe you don't want to miss. Share it with a friend, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. hope you were helped, edified by yesterday's broadcast. The first, I believe, will be a series of quite a few where we answer some of your serious objections or objections you've heard to the Bible, to the character of God, I was ministering in Michigan, had a wonderful, wonderful time with Radiant Church Network leaders yesterday. Uh, So immediately after radio, Monday flew to Michigan and got to my hotel in Kalamazoo about 11 at night and then picked up the hotel yesterday, 8.30 in the morning, ministered through the day there and then to the airport, flying back, some delays in Atlanta, got home about Oh, 12.30, something like that in the evening. So one of those full 24, 36-hour cycles. But thrilled to be back live with you. And uh, you're going to be encouraged today. You're going to be encouraged. You may be challenged to to stand and to be strong. But again, uh, I'm going to open the phones for any subject under the sun that you want to talk to me about. Any question of any kind, 866-34-TRUTH. In particular, if you take issue with what I shared on Monday uh, about those prophesying Trump's victory, digging in even deeper and saying he really is the president and you watch and see what's about to happen. If you differ, if you have a different perspective, by all means, give me a call, but check this out. I heard this yesterday and I'm not majoring here. I've got a bunch of other things I want to get into. In fact, when I said I'd get to Monday, I just failed to do it before the show ended. And I'm going to start there and you'll be encouraged. But I was uh, with a number of pastors and leaders in Michigan yesterday, so Tuesday, and the lead pastor organizing the conference said that that once a year he goes away with about 30 of his key leaders that, that are with him, under him in a network, and they pray together, seek the Lord together, and he had a dream, and he shared that dream. This was in September of last year, and in the dream, God showed him that Joe Biden would be elected the next president, not Donald Trump. And God said to him that he was knocking out the last crutch that the church was leaning on, which to me is not just a word that came to pass, but a word that makes a lot of spiritual sense to me. Okay, let's start here. When I say that the enemy goes too far, I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about Satan that he overplays his hand. I mean, the most egregious thing that he ever inspired was the crucifixion of Jesus. And yet that's God's method of saving the world. It's almost as if he can't stop himself from doing certain things, even if they prove to end in his own destruction and defeat. In any case, as this works out in culture, I'm not calling people in the world the enemy. 
But as this works out in culture, we'll see it with gay activists overplaying their hand. I'll give you an example of that shortly. We, we see it with the left, those trying to censor us overplaying their hand. And the thing ends up backfiring. Look, it can happen when conservatives are in power and they become oppressive and, and, and restrict freedom of thought and, and interaction and things like that. And then that pushes back. It can happen in any number of different directions. But I want to focus on what happens with the left. So Senator Josh Hawley, well-known nationally, but not, not on the level of Donald Trump or Barack Obama or somebody like that, not even on the level of, of, of Ted Cruz or Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer, but, you know, rising in the Senate, Josh Hawley had written a book called The Tyranny of Big Tech and was being published by Simon & Schuster, which is one of the biggest publishers uh, based in uh, New York City. And uh, Senator Hawley on January 6th called for, along with Senator Cruz, an investigation into the elections saying, look, if there's no fraud, do the study, find out, fine, and then move on. If there was fraud, then let it be exposed. But we've got to be able to move on as a nation. So he was not saying there was election fraud. He was saying, let's see. That was the Ted Cruz argument. There's a third way. You stole the election, the big steal, it's a lie. There was no fraud, no, what are you talking about? It's the cleanest election we've ever run. Ted Cruz said, well, here, here's a third way. Let's, let's do the study, let's get the panel, let's investigate. Even if you have to postpone inauguration by a few days, do the thorough investigation, involve the Supreme Court, the whole bit, bipartisan, and, and then you come to your conclusions. And either it happened or it didn't happen. And, and if it happened, we've got to act on it. If it didn't happen, then move on. That's all that happened. Then the day of the storming of the Capitol, Senator Hall is now allegedly cheering it on or signaling whatever, okay? Simon & Schuster announces they're dropping the book. Dropping his book. So that, now think of this. At this very moment, at this same moment, what you have is big tech canceling Donald Trump. Big tech canceling the man who at that moment was the president of the United States, banning him from Twitter for life. I mean, it's, it's not just the banning of the president being bad enough, but for life. And you never, ever, no matter what happens, come, I mean, uh, that's almost how it feels to be, almost like a tantrum. For, this is it. And then Facebook bans him. So here you have a book on the tyranny of big tech, right? A book on the tyranny of big tech. And now the book gets canceled as the president is getting canceled by big tech. So I knew it was going to happen. I mean, it, it was self-evident to me and to, I, I know it, I was pretty sure. And, and many of you would have thought the same thing. Some conservative publisher, I'm thinking probably Regnery, but some conservative publisher is going to pick the book up and it's going to sell many, many more copies because of the fact that a conservative publisher picked it up after the thing got squished. So sure enough, that's what happens. Regnery picks it up. It releases on May 4th as one of the best-selling books in the nation. And it was number one in like media and censorship, stuff like that. I thought, how, how ironic is that? But that to me is a perfect example. That to me is what happens, that the more you attempt to silence us, the more loudly our voices will be heard. That's what happened with Professor Jordan Peterson in Canada. 
I mean, he's fairly little known. His book, Maps of Meaning, he worked on three hours a day for 13 years, something like that. And it was a fairly obscure volume, you know, read by specialists and scholars, an academic book. Now he's world best-selling author. Some consider him the, the, the best-known conservative intellectual in the world or the most influential. Or, and it happened when he said, you're not going to force terminology on me. You're, you're not going to force me to say certain things based on some radical left ideology that if a man identifies as a woman, I have to refer to him as she. And suddenly, rather than getting squelched, now some, they, they lose their jobs, they lose their positions, and other parts of the world go to prison, you never hear from them again. And yet God even uses that. There's even a spiritual principle in which the, 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 the seed goes in the ground and dies, but, but now it multiplies and it comes back as many seeds. Uh, <clears throat> that's what happens, friends. That's what happens. I, I want to read something to you. It is a, a book uh, called Cancel Culture, The Long March of the Left, and it's published in Australia. And I found out about it through my colleague in Australia, Bill Muhlenberg, Culture Watch, just a brilliant cultural analyst, lived in Australia for many, many years. And I've been tracking with him, especially what's happening in Australia, uh, to the point that you've got major political leaders talking about where the left is going and cancel culture and what's happening. So, so let, me, let me grab a few excerpts of this. In fact, let me just get it uh, ready here to read to you. Just hang on, get this loaded properly. Here we go. Okay, um, so this is from the forward to the book. And, and, and it's, it's, it says this, <clears throat> go down a, a few paragraphs. Um, and it says that, that business leaders should affirm the importance of free markets and it goes on from there. Union leaders should assert the basic decency of Australian workers, cultural leaders, etc. And then it says this. Instead, instead, business leaders are only too ready to jump on activists' bandwagons. Union campaigns against their own members' jobs on environmental grounds or power-based self-interest. And supposedly conservative politicians routinely change the subject rather than discuss taboo issues like climate change, identity, gender, religious freedom, and whether statutes should be toppled. So people just stepping back rather than speaking out. I'll scroll down a little further. As even the honest left is starting to appreciate, we need more voices in our debates, not fewer. Wholesome diversity means a range of views, not just a multiplicity of genders and ethnicities. And look at this quote from former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. And this is an amazing, succinct quote. As Abbott has often said, quote, a majority that stays silent does not long remain a majority. Chew on that. Let me say it again. A majority that stays silent does not long remain a majority. And then the intro to the book starts with this. This is unreal. Imagine a society where people from high to low, are fired from their jobs for entering into, quote, the wrong side of a cultural debate, where academics are routinely sacked or sanctioned for expressing incorrect views on climate or sexuality or politics, where celebrities are stripped of accolades and authors are disinvited from award ceremonies for harboring opinions that fail to accord with the prevailing view. 
Imagine a society where students inform their professors for transgressing speech codes, where priests are brought before tribunals for teaching the tenets of their faith, where multiple institutions from the police to the media to the courts collude to imprison an innocent man because he holds to a pure ethic they deem dangerous and obsolete. A society where people are encouraged to inform on their neighbors, where a pregnant woman is arrested in her home for posting on social media, where the police violently arrest people for breaking newly invented laws compelling them to cover their faces. Imagine a society where the citizens are arbitrarily confined to their homes by their government, their movements tracked and traced. This isn't a passage from a mid-century dystopian novel. It's not an account of conditions suffered under totalitarian regimes in the Soviet Union, China, or North Korea. No, this is contemporary Australia. All the events described have occurred in Australia in recent years, yet this is but a spattering to list all the things in this category that have occurred around the former liberal Western democratic nations would doubtless require volumes. Whoa! What a way to start a book. What's the solution? Stand up, speak up, push back. The left will continue to overplay its hand. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. In a moment, or a few minutes, I want to go over to England with a major high court ruling against abuse of children in the name of transgender activism. I mean, it is an important ruling. One of my friends contacted me today and said, well, this is going to happen in the States. I, I think soon enough, I think soon enough, because people care about children, because even transgender activists are saying, no, 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 we, we've got to look at this again, and we've got to consider what's happening to children, etc." It's a perfect example of one side overplaying its hand. And when many Americans said, you know, I don't, you know, marriage... Look, we got divorced, we got all these different things, and if two men love each other, two women love each other, I don't you know who am I to tell them what to do and I don't want to be bigoted and you know, so without recognizing the larger implications and the larger repercussions of redefining marriage, many Americans were sympathetic. Well you it's this is just part of a larger social shift and a larger part of LGBTQ activism. And at a certain point you get like, I, I didn't sign up for that. No, I didn't mean that. Now, I don't intend that. That's why we sound the alarm in advance and say this is where something's going. So, again, I'm going to encourage you today with some examples of, of major pushback. 866-34-TRUTH. But first, I want to go back to an article I wrote in December 15th, and then I'm going to the phones to interact on this very subject. Look at this article I wrote in December 15th of last year. And, and the article uh, specifically said, okay, I'm appealing now to my brothers and sisters, to my prophetic friends who were either right or wrong. This was December 15th of last year, okay? And I was saying, look, if the election is going to be overturned, if you got that right, amazing, you're holding on in faith, that's incredible, you're sure God spoke it against all odds, you're still holding on, and if the elections are overturned and it turns out the court's back, it's amazing, we'll applaud you for your courage and your tenacity. If you're wrong, we won't throw you under the bus just recognize your error and let's find out why you were wrong and let's address it together. So anyway, I, I tell this story and I, I want to read it to you verbatim from this article in December 15th. 
And then I'm going to play two video clips so you'll know exactly why I did this. So uh, let's, let's scroll down in the article to where I talk about the Indochina prophecy. All right. And, and, and I wrote this again saying, please, please, don't, don't do this. In the church where I came to faith in late 71, the pastor told us an amusing story. I'm, I'm reading verbatim from this article. So you see, this is what I wrote in December, 5th, December 15th last year. A guest speaker was ministering to the congregation, and after the sermon, he had some personal prophetic words for the people. He told one woman standing in the front of the building that God was calling her as a missionary to India. He told another man standing in the back of the building that God was calling him as a missionary to China. What the guest speaker didn't know was that they were married. When they got in the car, they were both very excited. The wife said, the man of God told me we're called to be missionaries and we're going to India. He replied, no, the man of God told me we're called to be missionaries and we're going to China. Confused, they went back into the building to ask for clarification, explaining to the speaker that he gave them two conflicting prophecies. He smiled and said, no, there's no contradiction. God is calling you to Indochina. I appeal to my prophetic friends and colleagues and those I don't know personally, please don't play spiritual games like this. Please don't bring further reproach to the name of the Lord whom we love and serve. Either your words will come to pass with astonishing accuracy and the nation will witness the miraculous re-election of Donald Trump or your words will prove false. Will you sign on the dotted line and make that no excuses and no rationalizations commitment today? The world is watching. And the world's literally watching. I mean, right up to coverage in the New York Times talking about this. And then the atheist websites and the other is mocking. Okay, so that's December 15th. We're told, no, no, you watch. It's going to be overturned before Inauguration Day. That didn't happen. No, no, no. It's, no, the military's ready to take over. It's just going to be a little while. No, hey, by the end of March, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. No, what? Now, actually, here, let's listen to Jeff Jansen and what he told us was going to happen in April. He stepped aside. He never conceded. And the last defense is military. So the military, actually, the military is in control right now. And uh, they will, they've already made their determination. It, now it's about execution. Now it's about returning civil power after, after the, the we the people factor, uh, the, the rightly duly elected president from this past election uh, comes forward and they expose the corruption there will be civil power restored to the United States, and that president will be Donald J. Trump. Watch what the Lord does, but I believe that April, I'll, I would be surprised if things don't happen by, by the end of April. Now I'm talking the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, which I believe are key dates. All right, so he's telling you 23rd, 24th, 25th, April, certainly April. Okay, where we are now, we're in May, correct? Did it happen? Did the military take over and depose Joe Biden and put in Donald Trump? No. In case you haven't been following the news, no. So what's the latest from Jeff Jansen? And someone sent this to me. I'm not on these sites looking and stalking. I, I don't even know the people. Okay, this is just stuff sent to me. So I got sent this this morning. Here's his latest word. Hey, guys. Jeff Jansen, Global Fire Ministries International. It's been a while. Today is the May the 4th. And um, listen, I haven't been on for a while, so I just wanted to be able to come on and say, look, it's May. Uh, and uh, what's coming can't be stopped. Uh, there's all kinds of amazing things that are happening. Uh, and I'm talking about uh, President Trump. I'm talking about uh, uh, him coming back into power. And I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about everything that God promised. Uh, he, uh, back to back terms. 
uh, everything that God has promised with this election and overturning corruption. And uh, sometimes uh, we as human beings, especially Americans, we need to be shown. You can't just be told we have to be shown. So look, guys, this is an amazing time. Watch what happens. We're at the door. Things are happening. And uh, we're going to see a, a massive, massive turn in this great nation and the world. So God bless you. Take care. So when I first heard that, it's May, I thought he was going to say, okay, I said all this was going to happen in April. It didn't. No, that's not what he said. Now it's May. You watch what's going to happen in May. Friends, this is the Indochina nonsense I was talking about. This is the deception. This is the delusion. So either he is deceived into believing each month, new month, or he's playing games knowingly. I hope it's the former. It's better to be deceived than to knowingly, willingly deceive others. But either way, this is what's going on. The, and the goalposts keep moving. Oh, brother, you're way too premature. Well, you said, look, we have national words that were given guaranteeing this is going to happen in December. This is going to happen here. This is going to happen there. This is going to happen. Dates. Each one didn't. No, no, well, December, January. No, it's even bigger now. Whew. May is even bigger than April. Woo, you watch what's going to happen in June. Friends, when are we going to wake up? You see, nobody follows these people. Unfortunately, many thousands do. Millions have been deceived if you look around the world. It's, it's sad. It's serious. All the more reason that we put out the prophetic standards statement, if you haven't read it yet, propheticstandards.com. If you're a ministry leader, we invite you to sign it if you affirm it. It is to affirm the importance of prophecy, to affirm the importance of prophetic ministry, and to say there must be biblical accountability. I just did an interview earlier today with Dr. Joe Matera for God TV, and Joe was asked the question, well, aren't you suppressing things? Aren't you, aren't you pushing back against prophecy? He said, no, no. He said, just, just like with water, you know, you've got water, but it's got to be channeled. There, there has to be a right structure. If something's to be used properly, there has to be a release for it, structure for it. That's just being biblical. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's start in Charleston, West Virginia. Alan, welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Hey, I got a question concerning your uh, prophetic statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to read part of it here. It's just, uh, it says, we reject the notion that a contemporary prophetic word is on the same level of inspiration or authority as Scripture. I wholeheartedly believe this that part the part that i got a problem with is the next one and that mm -hmm. god always speaks inherently through the prophets today uh, i realize that the bible says that we know in part and we prophesy in part mm -hmm. but if if god gives me or you a word whatever word he has given me or you whether it's complete or not it's going to be a true word it's not going to be a it's not going to be a false word it might not be a complete word but it's going to be a true word. Right. If, if, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so in the statement, yeah, thank you, Alan, for, for uh, pressing in on this. In the statement, we say that at best it is a word from the Lord as opposed to the word of God. So, so in other words, the word of God is the Bible that has unique authority over all people, and it tests us. We don't test it, right? So we agree on that. Let's say true. that yeah. you get a word from the Lord, which is a real word from the Lord, that the Lord is calling Sam— to move to Sarasota, Florida, and to take this new job, and God's going to introduce him to his wife there, right? And you say, mm -hmm. the Lord gave me this word for you, brother. 
and you share it with them. And he says, man, I've been praying about Sarasota. I can't believe that. And God's like showing me that I'm going to meet somebody there. And then it happens and they live happily ever after. Right. So that was a true word, for, a word from the Lord that was true. And in that sense, fully reliable, but it's not the word of God. It's not the Bible, nor can we expect all prophecy to be perfectly inerrant today because someone can get part of it and needs interpretation, insight, that's why it's judged. So I agree with you that it, just like you know something in your own heart, you know that you know that you know a certain thing, right? It's going to come to pass right. a certain way, and God's spoken to your heart. So, yeah, if it's something truly from the Lord, you can bank on it. Absolutely. It's just not the Bible, the Word of God. It's a word from the Lord. So th- thank you for uh, nuancing that with us so I can say that publicly. So I agree with you in principle, in terms of, I, I think we're in harmony. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, the thing of it is, is that... Uh, well, tell you what, stay, stay right there. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-348-7884. I want to encourage you today with some pushback, with some rejection of radical destructive ideologies, with encouragement that as much as things are shifting to the radical left in a way that will be oppressive, in a way that will come directly against our freedom of speech, conscience, and religion, and is happening in increasing measure in other parts of the world, including countries like Canada and Australia and England and Norway and Finland and others. So I'm not just talking about the, the Chinas and the Afghanistans and the, the North Koreas and, and places like that. The pushback uh, must come, otherwise these liberties will be lost. I'll come back to that in a moment. But if you've not yet read our prophetic standards statement, this is a joint statement made uh, together by a number of Pentecostal charismatic leaders from around America and different nations. It has 85 initial signatories representing local church pastors, international leaders, prophetic leaders, apostolic leaders, theologians, Bible scholars, a wide range And then since then, I don't know, 430, 440 additional signers as the statement's getting out. It should soon be posted in Spanish, Portuguese. But one part of the statement says this, and I'll I'll just read it to you. It's a paragraph. Uh, We reject the notion that a contemporary prophetic word is on the same level of inspiration or authority as Scripture, or that God always speaks inerrantly through prophets today, since the Bible says we only know in part and prophesy in part. So notice those words, that God always speaks inerrantly through prophets. That would mean that every word spoken by every prophet is always perfect and inerrant. It is the written word alone that can lay claim to being the word of God. Prophecies, at best, are a word from the Lord to be tested by the word of God. So just having a conversation about that, Alan in Charleston, West Virginia, back to you. Uh, wanted to hear your final comments. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Brown, so what, you, so what you're saying is that I can actually give a word from God and it's 
it would it could be incorrect. Is that what you're telling me? Well, it's not a word from God. You think it is, but it's not. No, no, no. That's that's what I'm trying to get. If God if God gives anybody a word, me, you, your mom, your dad, whoever. Yeah. If we speak what if we speak what God says, whether you're an Old Testament prophet or a new, I know they're not equal. But whatever, it's not equal with Scripture. I know that. But whatever yeah. God tells you, that word will be true and will come to pass. Yeah, yeah. Now, whether it, we get whether we get the interpretation wrong or the application wrong, God, when God speaks, it's true. And I and and I yeah, think so, you agree with, with 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 me on this. The people that are speaking today, uh, especially with the COVID and the Trump prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that don't even apply to this in part, no in part, or prophesying part. These people did not hear from God. That's just plain and simple. It might be blunt, but these people did not hear from God, or Donald Trump would be president. Right. So, so here's the other angle to that, Alan, which is that okay. God may give me a word, right, and then right, right. I add, I add to it when I deliver it. Right. Right. So right, it has right, to, right, it has right. to be it has to be sifted. And and so again, we're kind of nuancing this point. And for people who don't believe in any of this, say, what are you talking about? Well, have you ever gotten something from the Lord, maybe a sense about something or a strong feeling or a strong impression, and and then you kind of add it to it, or you you presume something. You know, the Lord showed you you're gonna get a certain job, so you went ahead and quit your job. It's like, no, you're six months too early. And, and so we can often do that, add our two cents to it. That's why things must be tested. Hey, Alan, thanks, thanks for the call. So conversation that I was just having with one of our staff members right before radio today was the, the prophets who continue to hold their ground and say Trump is the real president, he's the uh, authentic president, and he did win. He won on a landslide, and the election got stolen. So my question is, well, number one, we weren't asking an arbitrary question. You, you weren't giving arbitrary information in advance as to who's going to win the election, but it was going to be stolen. Rather, you were telling us who the next president would be sitting in the White House, right? And right now it's not Donald Trump. The other thing is if you really had this word, then you should have also had with it, but it's going to be stolen. Because otherwise, what's the use of saying he's going to win? If it's, that's the whole question that was being asked, who's going to win, Right. But what if, just theoretically, what if this conversation we were having before radio, what if people were getting a sense that Trump's going to win? In fact, the election would be stolen through fraud. Joe Biden would then be president, but that this was all an answer to prayer because God's trying to teach the church and then reveal fraud and all this stuff. All right, let's just say that. So these, some of these prophets had some of the truth, but then put their interpretation on it. What if things had been properly vetted, then people might have said, yeah, we sense he's going to win, but he's going to lose at the same time. This is a very conversation we're having before. So that would be a matter of getting part, and now think you have the whole. So just throwing that out. Because remember that the Old Testament prophets, going to 1 Peter 1, thought that the prophecies they were seeing about the sufferings of the Messiah and his glory were for them. Maybe even thinking it applied to their own lives. God said, no, no, it's for future generations. This is what happens with prophecy. This is why we have to be so careful, rightly understanding and interpreting. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Bobby in San Luis Obispo, California. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello, uh, Dr. Brown. Love your show. Uh, Thank you, sir. This is right in line with what you were just talking about. I was going to ask you personally, uh, Dr. Brown, do you believe the election was stolen and Trump should have been president? I don't know. 
I, I wrote about this some months ago saying that some of my colleagues, very, very solid people, researchers, PhDs in statistics, people with inside information, have insisted that the election was stolen, that it can be demonstrated. I do not have, A, the expertise to look into this, B, the time, and C, the burden. So I, do, I honestly don't know. I've seen the arguments against it, but some of my sharpest colleagues have given detailed arguments with detailed links saying this is the only way to explain this. And this shift happens here. And then statistically this happens. And people who monitor election fraud in other countries are saying something went wrong. But honestly, I don't know. And, and if you've listened to the show, you know I take stands on things constantly and get hit from all sides for it. Um, I honestly don't know. And, and now let me just say this. My faith position had been, number one, that was so much prayer for the election that the end result will be what God did. In other words, that God has not given us four more years of Donald Trump. Is it judgment? Is it blessing? Is it mix? You can interpret that. But I believe the outcome is an answer to our prayers, whether we like the outcome or not. And my expectation was if there really was fraud, that the courts would reveal it. In other words, I trusted our system and that the, the, the Trump uh, backing and the amount of money being poured in and the looking for fraud was strong enough that if it was there, it'd be manifest. Now, maybe something will come out. Arizona recount and verdict in a you know, Michigan judge. or It's not impossible to demonstrate there was fraud somewhere. But my position has been that it would ultimately come out. If it never comes out, then I would conclude it didn't happen. So right now I say I don't know. But if ultimately all the recounts, the, the court, everything going through, it still shows no fraud, then I would say ultimately it wasn't stolen. Thank you very much, sir. All right. So that answers your question. Thank you, Bobby, for the yes, call. Sir. I appreciate it. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. By the way, uh, because I wasn't live yesterday, we answered a lot of questions that had been submitted in advance. Uh, phone lines are open for anything you want to talk to me about. And feel free to push back. If you differ with me or, or want to probe further, you know, as Alan wanted to probe further to, to understand things, by all means, give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, we move from here over to the UK. One of the most egregious things that is happening in the world today is the effect of transgender activism on children. You have what is called rapid onset gender dysphoria, where you can have a bunch of teenage girls, many times mildly autistic, things like that. Uh, I mean, this is in case studies. We're seeing this more and more. Maybe they're going through typical teen years as a girl, uncomfortable with their bodies, feeling hung up. Not They don't look the same as they're not at home in their bodies, comfortable, whatever. Many teen girls gone through that, uh, relate to being a boy more than a girl. Now you see what's happening in the society. Now this gives you an ability, you kind of identify with this, these other people. And next thing is, I, I, this is it. I figured it out. I'm actually a boy in a girl's body. So we're not talking about a kid from the age of three to 15 says, I'm trapped in the wrong body. You're talking about someone who's always thought of themselves as a boy or a girl, but especially happens to girls, teen girls, certain ages. And they're even in groups together saying we're trans. And what's happening now increasingly, and with kids younger as well, the younger ones getting put on hormone blockers, and this can have a lifelong effect. 
negative destructive effect. And then they get through their teen their puberty and now full mastectomy. You're 18 years old, you're a young lady, you've removed your breasts. And now you're 20 thinking, what in the world did I do? You're 22 and at 20, you had sex change surgery. You're thinking, what in the world did I do? So look at this uh, headline from, oh, a Christian website, Way of Life Literature. But this is all over the news. Uh, English High Court rules that children cannot give informed consent to puberty blockers. And this was on the post-millennial, uh, goes back a few weeks, a young English woman named Kira Bell, who made history when she successfully sued the Tavistock State Pediatric Gender Identity Clinic for hastily prescribing wrong sex hormones when she was 15, recently spoke out about her regrets and all of the different factors which combined to lead her think transforming was the cure for her pain. So now the, the high court in England has ruled, and well, if we have time, we come back, I'll read more of her personal story. The high court has ruled and said you, 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 they can't give informed consent. They don't know. You've got to wait and see. You've got to take a different approach. And, and look at this uh, headline from The Guardian in the UK. Tavistock Trust whistleblower David Bell. I believed I was doing the right thing. The psychiatrist behind a critical report on the gender identity unit at the NHS, so what National Health Services Trust, on the efforts to silence him and his concerns about children's access to treatment. And he said, look, I looked at this thing. I thought I was doing the right thing. I, I now see there is terrible damage being done to children, to minors, and we have to stop the madness. People trying to silence him, but there are too many voices, too many voices like Kira Bell. The left has overplayed its hand. People who want to be fair and all that. No, no, they didn't sign up for this. They did not sign up for this. We'll be right back. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the line of fire broadcast. I I want you to hear this personal story, all right? And because of her personal story, the high court in England has said, whoa, 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 we got to look at this. And and physicians across the UK are saying, whoa, whoa, we got to slow things down. Let's have a wait-and-see approach. Let, let's, let's give things more time. You've got a 10-year-old boy who really believes he's a girl. Let's not hastily put this kid on, on puberty blockers. Let's, let's not quickly say, okay, go to school, identified as Jane now, dressed as a girl. Let's, let's try to wait. Let's give this time, all right? Many physicians across the nation saying that. Now a high court ruling. So Kira Bell, let's... Look at her story. Uh, as a teen, she transitioned to male but came to regret it. Here's how it felt to enter history in the trans debate. So from the earliest days, my home life was unhappy. My parents, a white English woman and a black American who got together while he was in Britain with the U.S. Air Force, divorced when I was about five. My mother, who was on welfare, descended into alcoholism and mental illness. Although my father remained in England, he was emotionally distant to me and my younger sister. I was the classic tomboy. 
By the way, my wife Nancy was a tomboy and, and hung out with boys more and related to boys more. And, and, and that's like the wish she, was, wish she was a boy when she was a boy, when she was a little girl. How many of you ladies were tomboys? How many of you is the exact same thing? Yeah, yeah, I like to play with the boys. I related to them more, and I was a tomboy. How many? Now it's like, oh, you must be trans. I was a classic tomboy, which is one of the healthier parts of my early life. In Letchworth, she goes on. I was accepted by the boys early in childhood. I dressed in typically boy clothing, was athletic. I never had an issue with my gender. It wasn't on my mind. Then puberty hit, and everything changed for the worse. A lot of teenagers, especially girls, have a hard time with puberty, but I didn't know this. I thought it was the only one who hated how my hips and breasts were growing. Then my period started, and they were disabling. I was often in pain and drained of energy. Also, I could no longer pass as one of the boys, so I lost my community of male friends, but, but I didn't feel I really belonged with the girls either. My mother's alcoholism had gotten so bad that I didn't want to bring friends home. Eventually, I had no friends to invite. I became more alienated and solitary. I had been moving a lot, too, and it had to start over at different schools, which compounded my problems. By the time I was 14, I was really depressed and had given up. I, I stopped going to school. I stopped going outside. I just stayed in my room, avoiding my mother, playing video games, getting lost in my favorite mu music, and, and surfing the Internet. Something else was happening. I became attracted to girls. I never had a positive association with the term lesbian. So she, she goes on, and now she's talking more about you know, transitioning, founds these websites and about transitioning to male. And shortly after I moved in with my father and this then part, and so she goes through her, her whole journey and, and she concludes, well, maybe I should transition. Maybe I'm really a boy in a girl's body. So she goes through this. So she said, I began seeing a psychologist from the National Health Service or NHS when I was 15, because I kept insisting I wanted to be a boy, I was referred to the Gender Identity Development Service at the Tavistock and Portman Clinic in London. There I was diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which is psychological distress because of a mismatch between your biological sex and your perceived gender identity. By the time I got to the Tavistock, I was adamant that I needed to transition. So, you know, she says brash assertion, typical of teenagers. So she said, after a series of superficial conversations with social workers, I was put on puberty blockers at age 16. A year later, I was receiving testosterone shots. When 20, I had a double mastectomy at the age of 20. By then, I appeared to have a more masculine build as well as a man's voice, a man's beard, and a man's name, Quincy, after Quincy Jones. But the further my transition went, the more I realized that I wasn't a man and never would be. This is hard to read. This is somebody's life here. We're told these days that when someone presents with gender dysphoria, this reflects a person's real or true self, that the desire to change genders is set. But this was not the case for me. As I matured, I recognized that gender dysphoria was a symptom of my overall misery, not its cause. Five years after the beginning of my medical transition to become male, I began the process of detransitioning. A lot of trans men talk about how you can't cry with a high dose of testosterone in your body, and this affected me too. I couldn't release my emotions. One of the first signs that I was becoming cure again was that, thankfully, at last I was able to cry, and a lot to cry about. The consequences of what happened to me have been profound. Possible infertility, loss of my breasts and inability to breastfeed, atrophied genitals, a permanently changed voice, facial hair. All right, I, I gotta, I'm sorry, I have to stop reading here. Would you just pray for this young woman? Would you just pray for God's deep intervention in her life and God taking everything that she did innocently enough? In other words, she was not trying to destroy her body. She was not trying to do evil. She was confused in her heart. She, she had other issues. 
and the society around her helped her go in the wrong direction, and these medical professors, per, professionals helped her go in the wrong direction, would you pray that everything that happened that was meant for evil, that, that was intended by Satan to harm her, or just wrong decisions, that God would somehow turn this around for her good? Obviously, her voice is being heard now and making a difference, and it could save many lives. Let's pray that God would be so real. I don't know anything about her own life or different the rest of the story, or spiritual breakthroughs. That the, I don't know about that. But would you just pray? That is just too painful to read. I'm sorry. I had to stop there. Pray for God's best for her. Would you do that? All right. <clears throat> the latest example of societal madness. The latest example of the left losing its mind. Let's look at this headline about Snow White. Snow White. Disney's show, excuse me, Disney's Snow White ride criticized for non-consensual kiss scene. The new Snow White's Enchanted Wish ride at Disneyland is the center of controversy after it was upgraded to include the true love's kiss scene. Oh, okay. All right. Do we all agree that a man forcing himself on a woman or a woman forcing him, herself on a man is abhorrent and everything in society should speak against it, push against it? Do we all agree on that? Yes. That an unwanted sexual act forced on another person is wrong, period. And we should agree on it. So some 18-year-old guy with his 18-year-old girlfriend and decides he wants to go further than he wants to go. He does not, and she wants to go. He does not have the right to do that. That ends up being called rape and should be punishable by law. And as a society, we should support. We all agree on that. But what's that got to do with the kiss and snow? Oh, but she didn't give consent. Well, she didn't give consent because it's a mythical story. And she's poisoned by some witch. <clears throat> so how about we have a clause? How about we have a clause? That if it is a mythical cartoon character, and if an innocent woman has been poisoned by an evil witch, and there is a mythical cartoon prince who's sent to give a kiss of love that will awaken her from her death sleep, put on her, by the witch, then it's okay. How about we put that clause in there? Is, what kind of madness is this? Yeah, I understand that. We understand the issues. This is the, the Me Too era. We understand the issues. This, I've never in my life ever heard an example, ever once. Someone's saying, well, yeah, well, the prince kissed Snow White. That's why I went to bed with my girlfriend, even though she was fighting and scratching and trying to push me away. Yeah, that, that lady I liked on the street, yeah, I went and raped her because, hey, after all, the prince kissed Snow White. Never never once heard the example of a, of a boy sneaking into the bedroom of his sister and he's going to force himself on her because they just saw the Snow White movie. What kind of cultural madness is this? This is really when the left loses its mind. This is really when the whole thing undoes itself and unravels. 
and reminds us of the insanity of the positions. Is there any ambiguity here? Number one, it's a mythical story. It's a cartoon illustration story, animated. And if you, you read it in the book first, and it's, <laughs> it's about a mythical princess. And a potion is given to her that gets her in a death sleep until the hero. The hero, not the rapist, not the sexual predator. The hero of the story. The good guy. It's not rape, it's a kiss of love for his beloved princess. That the kiss is a godsend in the story. The kiss is the antidote to the evil. The bad one is the witch, not the prince. The bad one is the witch. <clears throat> Sorry for the passion in retelling the story here. And the kiss wakes up the swooned princess from the death potion of the evil witch. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good kiss. That's like a CPR kind of kiss. All right? So, friends, once again, I give you a perfect illustration of the radical left losing its corporate mind. And how do we combat it? We expose the madness. That's how. All right, we're out of time. We are out of time already. The hour has flown by. Be back with you again tomorrow, live, God willing, right here on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday on this great station. Oh, yeah, 15 minutes from now. 15 minutes from now, our YouTube chat didn't even announce it. 15 minutes from now, come right back. You got questions? We'll rejoin you. ASK Dear Brown, the Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel. 15 minutes from now, we are with you. We are on. Let's do it. Another program powered by the Truth Network.